Job chapter 19. Then Job answered, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? You have reproached me ten times. You aren't ashamed that you attack me. If it is true that I have erred, my error remains within with myself. If indeed you will magnify yourself against me and plead against me my reproach, know now that God has subverted me and has surrounded me with his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry for help, but there is no justice. He has walled up my way so that I can't pass and has set darkness in my paths. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He has broken me down on every side and I am gone. He has plucked my hope up like a tree. He has also kindled his wrath against me. He counts me amongst among his adversaries. His troops come together. His troops come on together, build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has put my brothers far from me. My acquaintances are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My familiar friends have got forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house and my maids consider me a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I call to my servant and he gives me no answer. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. If I arise, they speak against me. All my familiar friends abhor me. They whom, I they whom I loved have turned against me. My bones stick to my skin and to my flesh. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, you my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you persecute me as God? and are not satisfied with my flesh. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved on the rock forever. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. In the end, he will stand upon the earth. After my skin is destroyed, then I will see God in my flesh whom I, even I, will see on my side. My eyes will see, and not as a stranger. My heart is consumed within me. If you say, how will we persecute him? Because the root of the matter is found in me. Be afraid of the sword, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment. So here we come to a verse that Job declares, But as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. In the end, he will stand upon the earth. This is our hope. This was hope for Job. But this is hope for all of us. And he has stood upon the earth already. And he will stand again, and he continues to stand in our hearts as we stand firm with Christ for his glory. The comments for Job 19. So in this 
uh, chapter, we have the 11th speech of the book and Job's re reply to Bildad's second speech. And um, he says in verse 2 to his friend Bildad, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Very true, that last speech was nasty and terrible. He says in verse 6, I know that God has subverted me and surrounded me with his net. And that's an interesting observation because he realizes that even though he trusts God, God's doing this to him at the same time. And that's, um, and he doesn't blame God for it. So he knows that God's doing it. Now, sometimes we go through experiences which are not good. We are tempted to blame God, but we don't know for sure that God's doing it. Job here says he knows God's done it to him. And um, I, I just think to myself, if, if you know God's doing something to you, but you know you're walking with him, there must be a very, very good reason for it. My wife and I, we've been through some struggles in our lives with various different things, you know, financial struggles and family members dying and losing a child like in a miscarriage. And we've had, you know, we've had disagreements about some things and, you know, we've, we've gone through the usual struggles people have, but we've had other struggles that we didn't choose that the Lord has put upon us. And, uh, <laughs> and I said to my wife, I said, you know, the Lord is making better people out of us through this. And it's true. And so we don't know always why. I remember once I prayed and I said, Lord, cure me of the love of money. And boy, did I wish I'd never prayed that prayer. Because that week, the engine in the car blew up. And that was $13,000 or something. And then the, one of the houses we owned that we had rented out, the tenants destroyed the house and the insurance wouldn't pay up. And we lost more than over $100,000 in that process, in that one house. Like there were three things that happened that week. And uh, Lord, why? I remember Graham Cook, uh, a preacher from England, and he, um, he had some terrible things happen to him that God, had, God did to him too. Just like God was doing things to Job here. And uh, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, why are you doing thing, these things to me? <laughs> And the Lord said to Graham Cook, it's because I love you. And Graham said to the Lord, would you love me a little less? <laughs> and I found that very funny because that was just exactly how I felt. Some of the things that, that I've been through and my wife has been through with me, you feel like saying to the Lord, why? Could you love me a little less? But no, in the end, we, we see the end of the Job, book of Job and we see how the Lord brought him through and established him with you know, he was a better person and twice as blessed. The Lord, when he puts you through, through things, sometimes you know it's him and you don't know why, but it's because he loves you. It, it's, it's actually the proof that something good is on the way. In verse 17, um, he mentions his wife. Now, for the second and only other time in the book of Job that his wife gets mentioned, and um, he says... My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am loathsome to the children of my mother. So we had uh, Job's wife got mentioned way back in chapter 2, I think, or the end of chapter 1, and she said um, to Job, why don't you curse God and die? And um, so she's not an example of a godly woman. There are, there are a lot of godly women in the Bible. She's not one of them. <laughs> and uh, thank God the body of Christ of the church is full of godly women and um, as William Booth said, that his best men were women. Uh, it just happens that the majority of the best Christians in the world are female, and Jesus' best disciples were women as well. 
the ones that did not run away from him when he was having his painful periods in life. So thank God for women. They're just the best people in the world. And um, But this particular one wasn't. <laughs> and um, now, to, to be fair to her, a few chapters ago I said, you've got to put yourself into the position of people in the story. To be fair to her, as David Hood pointed out to me, he's an associate here on, on staff, he said she went through the same struggles as Job except for the health issues. She went through the exact, and if you think about that, that's, that's something we don't often contemplate. We don't realize that, wow, she lost all of her 10 children too. And she, um, you know, she lost all of her wealth and she lost her home as well. And then she more or less lost her husband because, and then she sees her husband, it looks like he's done something wrong. It looks like she's gone through pain and it's all his fault. And um, so she just, <laughs> uh, yes, well, she's basically just turned against him. But it, it's, it, it would be something that would be very easy for many people to do. She would not be exceptional in that. And we really shouldn't blame her either. In this, chap, in this uh, verse 17, Job says that his breath is offensive to his wife and he is loathsome to the children of, his own, of my own mother. I'm loathsome to the children, so his own siblings. His siblings can't stand him, and his wife hates his breath. <laughs> so it's a little glimpse into the remaining family members he has who don't like him. And it just shows us, and in verse 21 he says to his friends, have pity on me. Have pity upon me, my friends. Now I just thought that, that was interesting. There, there are three more things I want to mention in this book, in this chapter, and this is a, quite an interesting chapter. In verse 21, he says, have pity upon me, my friends. So he, they have not been pitiful to him, but he asks them to. And I thought to myself, the experience of Job that he went through, if anyone in our lives went through that, we would have pity upon them. I mean, you imagine, you know, years ago when the tsunami happened in um, Indonesia, this is Boxing Day 2000, or was it Christmas Day 2004? A terrible tsunami hit uh, Indian Ocean and 100,000 people died, plus a lot of housing and property destroyed. And the island of, um, is it Sumatra? I think it was Sumatra, and the area called Banda Aceh in Indonesia was just wiped out. So many buildings destroyed, you know, a lot of people died. We, we never for a minute thought that God judged those people and didn't like them, and we never for a minute pointed a finger at them and blamed them. But I know a lot of Australians gave money, and we gave money here at Peace. We, not, we sent money overseas to help with that whole tsunami thing. And, um, but there were a few people who posted videos and saying, this is the judgment of God. Well, you know what? That was just cruel and unfair. And uh, we do have pity upon people who suffer. And we know also that there are people who are suffering in hell, and we're sorry for them. Whenever the thought occurs to us that someone might die and go to hell, it bothers us, and so we pray for them. Now, if you think about people that are in hell, people who are suffering, they're suffering because they refuse to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. They refuse to accept his plan of salvation. They, de they decided that they were going to be completely autonomous. They were going to live their life on their own. They were not having God be a part of it. And so they've ended up getting their wish of being autonomous and separated from God. And so here in hell, there actually are people who do deserve to suffer. But we have pity upon them. So we know 
that sometimes God does judge people, like in hell, but even so we pity them. And that's a natural reaction. And even the Lord is sorry for those people. And in a sense, they've chosen that for themselves. So here, for Job to say to his friends, have pity upon me, I would say that even if he did the wrong thing, which we know he didn't, he deserved to be pitied. And you may have someone in your life or people in your life that have done the wrong thing and they're suffering for it. And I would say, even though they've done the wrong thing, they still deserve your pity and your sympathy. And um, so there may be people in prison, for example, and they have done the wrong thing and they've been incarcerated for their crimes and their suffering, they're being punished. But still we can have sympathy for them and pity them because um, that is the way of Christ. So I encourage you to, to adopt a more sympathetic attitude towards people around you who are suffering, even those who deserve it. There are two more things I wanna say. In verse 24, Job was talking about, um, he was talking about you know, things that were written down and he says, if they were written with an iron pen and lead and were engraved in the rock forever. So he, this, this one little verse here is a very interesting verse for archeologists because he makes this reference to writing. And this is the patriarchal period. So this is three and a half thousand years ago. We've got this reference to writing with iron pen and lead. So something made of iron and lead is like the, um, uh, I don't know, like the paper, I guess. And uh, the reason I mention this is because just last week there was discovered this thing called, I think it's a uh, discursio. I think it's called a discursio. D-I-S-C-U-R-S-I-O, I think that's how you say it. In English, it's called a curse tablet. And these curse tablets were actually made of lead. They're a little tiny piece of lead and they would use an iron uh, scribe. So here we've got an iron pen with lead and they used to use these iron scribes and they would scratch into the lead their letters. Then they would fold the lead in half and seal it. And then that would be called a discursio or a curse tablet and it would be shut. It would never be opened. And they found one of these. Now, a lot of the ones they found go back to the Roman Empire or the Greek Empire, which is older than the Roman Empire. But the one they found this week is believed to be the oldest one ever found. And it goes back to this particular period of time, <laughs> the time of, you know, maybe uh, just a little bit after Job actually. It goes back to the time of Joshua, Moses Joshua period. And uh, I thought it was super cool that we were doing this chapter in Job the same week that that discovery got made. And it was found in, at Mount Ebal, which is a mountain in Jerusalem. And we talked about Mount Ebal in Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28 and in Joshua chapter 8 and 9. You can go back and cover those videos. And uh, it would be cool to cover those videos again and get the background on Mount Ebal. And then go search up on YouTube, Mount Ebal Curse Tablet, because that's a super cool discovery. But I cannot not mention that as we're going through Job, that the technology that made that cursed tablet that was discovered is right here in Job chapter 19, verse 24, that with an iron pen and lead, it was engraved into the rock forever. Finally, um, verse 25, and this is possibly the most famous verse in the whole book of Job. And Job says, now he's giving his speech, his reply to Bildad, he says, as for me, I know that my redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And um, 
I think this is remarkable that someone who lived that long ago and didn't have their Bible, he knew that he had a Redeemer. Now, who's our Redeemer? Jesus Christ. And he knew that his Redeemer lives. And he knew that he would live again one day. And he knew that one day his Redeemer would come and stand upon the earth. And boy, did he. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to this earth and redeemed us. Thank God. And so it's, it's a lot of people talk about this line and there's so much great stuff gets said about it. But I just look at it and I say, you know what? It's a prophecy. I have a Redeemer and he lives and he's coming to this earth. Thank God. And we have a Redeemer too. And we place our trust in him. I hope you have. Heavenly Father, thank you for Job 19. I thank you. We have a Redeemer that lives. Thank you for Christ and, our, and, and uh, his love on our behalf. Lord, let grace be extended to us. In Jesus' name, amen.